Fuego, Sebo Fuego. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to our Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast, focusing on Haudenosaunee cultural topics recorded on Haudenosaunee territory. Our podcasts are produced by Aboriginal Legal Services with the technical assistance of Humble Man Recording. My name is Lisa Venevery from the Mohawk Nation and the Wolf Clan. I'm the coordinator of the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name program and the host of this podcast. Welcome to the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our new website at www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word donate located on the bottom of the page of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services Toronto, Canada. Today's guest on the Yohat De Negasuna Road to Your Name podcast is Chloe Venevri. Disclosure, Chloe is my granddaughter and resides in the same home as me. What we're going to talk about today is residential school, the topic of residential school, and Chloe's going to give her perspective as a youth on that topic, and also um, on the news of the of the um, grave uncovered in Cam Loops at the residential school there, and and we're just going to talk about that topic and. And we're going to get a youth's perspective on it. Chloe is, is 18, right, Chloe? Yes. <laughs> so that's the, that's the age perspective we're coming from. Um, and we'll talk a little bit, too, about social media and um, the things that happen on social media with the youth when topics such as this come up. How do the youth handle it on social media? Okay, so... Um, Chloe knows that, that her ancestors attended the mush hole, the residential school, and Chloe's been to the residential school, haven't you, Chloe? Yes, I have. Okay. And tell us your, your knowledge as a young person, um, about residential school. Where, and where did you get this knowledge? Did you learn it in school or? Did I tell you or what? Well, I, most of the things I learned about residential schools, I learned from my grandma herself. She really made sure to give me all that knowledge and educate me in my history so that I would grow up with that knowledge and I would know what the truth is. Yeah, that was very important because um, when I was growing up, um, my grandfather, your great great grandfather went to the mush hall and never talked to me about it I had to really learn um, residential school stories from other survivors and um, learn what happened there so um, so 
going to through high school, did you feel that you um, were taught enough about the subject there? Definitely not. In grade 10 history, that's like the only time you would hear about it. And it was only for a couple of days. It was a very short lesson. And, you know, Canadian textbooks aren't really written from our perspective. So knowing what I knew, I knew that those textbooks weren't true and it wasn't giving the other students a good education on these topics. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So did your did your classmates maybe ask you questions about the topic? Sometimes they did, but they pro I feel like they didn't feel comfortable enough to most of the time. Was it kind of when you were learning about the subject in the classroom, was it kind of like a real downer to them? Nobody was enthused about the learning about that at all? Yeah, definitely. And how did you feel when you when you had to listen to I know you wanted to learn, but how did it make you feel listening to this type of things? Um, definitely in high school, I felt underrepresented because they don't talk about it enough. And when they do, it's from the wrong perspective. And it definitely is a downer like it shouldn't be enthusiastic about it it was a very dark time mm -hmm, for sure um what did they in the school what did they tell you about residential school that residential schools were they basically just said residential schools were bad that there wasn't really a lot of like details to their lessons it was very broad mm -hmm. did they tell you that there was a residential school right in Brantford that definitely came up like just as a discussion with our teacher it wasn't in the textbook I don't believe mm-hmm um, I know you've I've taken you a lot to um, the Mohawk Institute, the old Mohawk Institute, but it's a cultural center now. <laughs> and I used to have an office there as well, and you went there a lot there. Then, um, can you tell me what kind of, when you did go to the building, what did you feel when you went there? Did you have any type of feelings that you can recall? Not that I can recall as I was so young, but now I feel very unsettled knowing that like there's many, there's definitely many bodies that they still have not found and they are not looking for. So knowing that when I was playing outside while my mother and grandmother were at work, I could have been walking over children's graves. Mm -hmm. It's very unsettling. Yeah. And I'm sure that in the future they are going to, um, you know, look more in detail around that the grounds of the mush hole and see um, what they can uncover, see if they can find anything to uncover. Um, when, uh, when the news of the 215 um, bodies in at the Kamloops Indian Residential School were uncovered, um, do you recall what you felt then? How did you hear about that? I heard about it through Facebook on the, like the news. There was many news stories coming out about it. 
And do you recall how you felt when you were reading these news stories? Definitely sad, but not surprised. Mm-hmm. How does how did it um, did it make you feel like you um, wanted to do something, or um, how were you process? How did you process that that news personally? Personally, I just tried to share as many things as I could to educate my non-Indigenous friends because my non-Indigenous friends are surprised, but I've grown up knowing that this could one day be discovered. So my goal was just to educate them as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And how did you go about doing that? Um, sharing what I found on social media, the news reports, the like the history people posted, there's definitely a lot of good things on social media that people were sharing. Mm-hmm. What kind of social media do you use? I use Facebook, <laughs> Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> I couldn't keep up with that. And do you find that all of your friends your age and your age group and in your um, the the people that you go to school with, they're all connected through those mediums, those media? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So did you get any feedback when you were, when you were sharing the news stories? Did people ask you anything or um, did you get any feedback from what you were doing? Not really. A lot of my non-Indigenous friends continue to stay silent and whether that is because they did not know what to say or because they're not educated enough to say anything at all. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of them stayed very silent during this time, the last few weeks of since when we found out about this. It's been hard with my non-Indigenous friends, but it's also brought me closer to my other Indigenous friends. Because mm -hmm. it's it may be sad, but we connect on it and we understand each other. We understand what we're going through. Yeah. And the sadness, um, to feel the sadness about it, how, how are you able to um, process your sadness? How do you do that? From what, from what I am observing the, as a grandmother... You can tell me if I'm right or wrong. I'm observing you processing your sadness by sharing things on your social media that I see. You're sharing different um, um, sayings. You're sharing different um, um, pictures sometimes. Um, you're sharing a lot of things, and I'm 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 seeing that maybe that's how you're processing all of this. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the posts say what I can't say, what I don't know how to say. Yeah, it's a huge um, responsibility that we all have now by by knowing this in. In that we we all it doesn't matter our age or anything, we all need to um, process the sadness, but we all need to educate as well. Because um, my non-indigenous neighbor just today 
came up to me and said, oh, I'm so, I was so sad when I heard about the 215 um, children that had died. And he wanted to express that. And, and it's important that maybe we have to be ears now to our non-Indigenous neighbors. We have to be ears for them because they have these feelings they don't know what to deal with, do with as well. So um, I think you and I, even though we're of different generations, we can be the educators, we can be the ears, and we can continue to do that. What do you think? I definitely agree. <laughs> um, so now as you move through this as a, as a youth, um, do you think that um with the residential school story that it's still ongoing what do you think about that do you think that's going to always be a part of your life you're going to continue to learn what do you think about the topic i definitely think it will continue to be a part of my life because it is a part of my history it's a part of my family it's it's definitely always going to be in the news because there were over 140 residential schools in Canada. This is just one school alone. So they have many more to look through, to dig deeper. And yeah. the truth will come out. Yeah. And what do you think about, uh, as an Indigenous person, a young Indigenous person, that when truths come out, as you say, every day we don't know what the next truth is going to be that is going to come out, right? You just have to kind of wait and wait and see. And then we're sort of affected again all over again by it. How are you as a young person handling that? Is it hard to to always be having to um, be prepared, I guess, to handle the next uncovered truth? Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, it's a difficult thing for a for a young person, and I would I would venture to say it's a difficult thing for an old person. <laughs> you know, it's a difficult thing for all of us to be to have to. Um, be waiting, you know, for something else to happen and um, have to deal with it. Um, well, I know you're getting prepared to um, make plans for college now. <laughs> Are you excited about that? I am. Yeah. What is your chosen field you've, you've Men chosen? Mental health and addictions. You're going to be going to study that. And um, what brought you to that that um, field that you wanted to learn about and, and eventually work in? Well, growing up, I was bullied as a child. So when I started to notice my mental health declining, it drew me to that field to learn how to cope with those feelings and 
many of our people on our reserve struggle with addictions and their mental health and mental illnesses. And there is a shortage in these workers in our community and in our world. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've known you a long time. <laughs> 18 years to be exact. <laughs> and and I know that once you're done your college studying and, and things, you're going to be... Um, you're going to be an asset to the community. You're going to be a great um, mental health and addictions worker. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chloe, when we when we talk about residential school, what do you think it was like for the kids to go there? I imagine it was probably pretty scary. They were taken from their home with no warning, and they spoke their own language. They didn't know how to speak English or French and they didn't think there was anything wrong when they did, but then they would get hit or beat or slapped or things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I just can't imagine. I remember when you were a little girl, can't imagine them taking a child that young away from their home and um, them having to be like fending for themselves more or less. Um, now you're getting ready to go off to school. You're 18. I, I just don't even want you to go. <laughs> you're, you're all grown up, but I still don't want you to go. I can't even imagine if that happened to you when you were three or four years old, or five years old. Um, so we we need to put it all in perspective when we think about residential school and how young the kids were, and that they were very, um, they were much very much on their own at such a young age, um, not having the tools. Um, so what are you looking forward to most about going off to school? I am looking forward to making new friends. Yeah. In my student residence. Yeah. How has the, um, um, the hunkering down with um, quarantining and everything been for a young person? I don't like it. <laughs> I would like to see my friends. Yeah, you're a social person. Yeah. Um, but staying with your army, that's what she calls me, your army. <laughs> staying with your army hasn't been all bad, huh? No. No, we've been learning a lot together. Yes, we have. <laughs> ups and downs. Ups and downs. <laughs> Mostly ups. <laughs> when you did go to the Mohawk Institute and you, and you did... Um, you, you've been all over the, the Mohawk Institute, all over that building. Did you get any um, uh, feelings, like um, sense, senses? Did you sense anything? I definitely was weary about it because I, even though I was so little, I had heard the stories. And walking through those dark halls with the old wood creaking, always I feel like that's a typical horror movie mm -hmm. so it was definitely nerve-wracking but 
part of me will never understand why I did that. I just felt the need to walk around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you, or do you remember feeling anything like any sense of others? Or... I, d- I don't recall, but I was, I do remember it always being cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked there for many years, and and um, I definitely um, felt things there, and um, also had a, have a story about about a visitor to my office who was a very young visitor. She was a child, came with um, um, her family, and there was a there was a door in my office. I, I was in an office where one of the people stayed that looked after the children there was on the floor that they had the dormitories. And so it was a little bedroom with a closet and a closet door. And the the little child that was in my office was running around playing. And um, I've told this story before to different people. And all of a sudden the child stopped in front of the closet door and looked at that closet door and said, they're screaming in there. They're, no, they're screaming. Let them out. Let them out. And it was the most chilling thing to hear that child say that. And so I knew, instinctively knew that that child had heard, had actually heard screaming and so ever since that day in my office there I would always leave that door of that closet open I never closed it again after that because I believed wholeheartedly what she was said to me what she was saying was true and that's just one of the stories I had from the residential school um, from there so as we wrap up this podcast with Chloe and um, what do you think, Chloe, do you, do you think you'll continue to try to educate people about this subject? I definitely will. It's always, people like to say it's a dark chapter in Canada's history but I believe this country is built on the genocide and oppression of Indigenous people and other people of color. Mm-hmm. So it's education is the most important thing in this day and age. Yeah, education can be very powerful, for sure. And you've grown up in a family that truly believes in the power of education. Yes, I have. Okay, anything else you'd like to add, Chloe, before we end the podcast? I just want to say thank you for having me as a guest today. (laughs) And it's been my pleasure. (laughs) You're always such a nice guest. (laughs) Okay, today we've been talking with my granddaughter, Chloe Venevri, on the Yohate Negosuna Road to Your Name podcast. Join us again. Onigiwahi.
Yahweh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Yohate Negasunha, The Road to Your Name podcast, which has been produced by Aboriginal Legal Services and hosted by me, Lisa Van Every. There are 10 episodes in this podcast series. Let's meet again on the next episode. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our new website at www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word donate located on the bottom of the page of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services Toronto, Canada. This has been the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. Yeah.